Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. Uh, today is September 22nd, 2019, and most of you probably don't know this, maybe some of you could care less, but six years ago, not only to the date, but to the day, uh, is Pastor Melissa's on my first Sunday here at Bethel, and so it's been uh, six years to the day. Um, and so time flies when you're having fun. And so I can't believe it's been six years already, uh, but it's been a blast. And so we've been having fun and uh, looking for many, many more years here. And so how many people here, have you ever done something and found out afterwards that there was an easier way of doing it? Anybody? So real quick, just tell me something real fast. Building a bike, not asking for directions, learning a game. It's so funny. Everybody's hands go up, and then you're like, who wants to admit it? Everybody's like, no, I'm not admitting it. So there's been a few things for me. I'm no, like, draining my pool. The first time uh, we have an above-ground pool, and the first time I had to drain it, I put a bunch of garden hose in it, siphoned it, and started running it out. And then I think it was literally the next year... I was vacuuming it, and when you vacuum, you have to backwash, and so I was backwashing out on the lawn, and I'm like, wait a minute. I can do this at the same time. And so now it's like a pump, pumping the pool empty, and I'm like, this is way faster than a couple garden hoses. And then I was helping somebody um, unclog a drain, and we were trying a bunch of different things, and we... It just wouldn't happen. And so I actually called Rick, and I'm like, Rick, how do we do this? And he's like, I'll be over in a couple minutes. And Rick comes through the door to unclog a drain with a big shop vac. And I was like, what are you going to do with that? And he's like, if you can't push it through, suck it back out. I'm like, that is brilliant. And it was unclogged within a few seconds. And so many of you in the room right now are like, that's brilliant. And so just these random things that we realize through experience and most of us through the bad experience that there's an easier way. And I want to talk to you this morning about Paul and Paul coming into a realization that there's a better way. And I want to talk to you this morning, the message is just entitled, not by words, but by power. And so not by words, but by power. And see, I think... Paul, in his journey and in his ministry, when he first started into ministry, he was trying to do things a certain way, and then he clued in that there's a better way. In 1 Corinthians 2, he writes this in the first five verses. He says, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with elegance or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony of God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except 
Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Paul shows up and, and he's in Corinth and he's teaching and he's working and he's sharing the gospel. And then when he writes back to them, he reminds them, hey, when I showed up, I wasn't trying to be eloquent. I actually came to you in weakness. I came to you in fear. And I wasn't trying to persuade you or share totally wise words, but power. And today... I think we can find online, you can see it everywhere, where people are debating and fighting over anything and everything. You can't really share much in public now or online especially because anybody can argue from their basement and not have to talk in person. And you can sit and you'll debate on things, but here is the thing that people cannot debate. Miracles. You can't debate the power of God when he shows up. When miracles begin to happen and people begin to get healed and people's lives begin to be changed, I've encountered people who have told me straight up, Chad, I don't, when we showed up to Bethel, I didn't know if I believed in healing. I didn't know if I believed in these things. And then my spouse got healed. And I'm like, well, what do you think now? I think I don't know much. I remember uh, youth pastoring in Strathroy and uh, Colin, who we prayed for, by the way, I, he, uh, they can't find any cancer. Um, I forgot, I realized I haven't given a report on that. Um, they went to Mexico, they were there for three weeks, they couldn't find any cancer, they stayed for another three for some more treatment, and they came home, and as far as I know, he's still doing great, and they can't find anything, so amen. Um, but Colin, being the little miracle hog he is, as I'm telling the story, um, just teasing, he was in youth, and he, we went to leave for overflow, and his parents said, Chad, he shouldn't be going. He can't stand. He had so much back pain. And so, um, just so you're aware, as now I'm not youth pastor here, I never did this with any of the students here, but Saturday morning, he was in such pain, he couldn't get a bed, so I left him at the hotel. Um, I didn't do it with any kids here, I promise. I learned a lesson. Um, no, I trusted him enough that I knew he wanted to be in service. So if he couldn't get out of bed, I left him there. He had a cell phone. It was okay. And um, we went to service, and we came back, and he's still just laying in bed. And the only comfortable position he could get in was the fetal position. And he was in the fetal position, and so we got some food and stuff. He moved himself, he moved his way into uh, the bigger hotel room where everybody was eating, and he just kind of laid on the floor. And if you know Colin, if he wasn't eating, you knew he was sick. And we just, I asked the students, I'm like, what do you think we should do? And the students are like, well, we should pray for him. And so I told all of my leaders, I'm like, step back, students, you lay hands on Colin and you pray. And I told all of my leaders, I'm like, not one single adult prays. And so the students prayed. And at the end of it, I asked Colin, like, how do you feel? He's like, oh, I still don't, I still in pain. And so I asked the students, like, what do you, like, what do you sense? What do you feel? And one of the girls, she goes, I felt like I just saw this big hand come down and rest on top of him. I'm like, oh, that's kind of neat. Like, what, what do you think that means? I think we should pray again. And I said, that's great. Why don't you pray? And so again, we step back, students pray. I asked Colin, I'm like, 
I didn't think of this the first time. So I'm like, when they're done praying, I actually like call him, let's stand up. So I help him up to his feet. I'm like, how do you feel? And he's like, I feel a little bit better. And I'm like, well, why don't you just try something you couldn't do? So he kind of stretches back. And I'm not going to attempt it because I'll probably embarrass myself. But he reaches over and he touches his toes and he touches the floor. And I'm like, he's like, yeah, I couldn't do that before. I'm like, pray. So everybody starts clapping and clapping like, yeah, he couldn't touch. And then he goes, no, no, hold on a second. I could never touch my toes. <laughs> and so God healed him right there. Now, that's unbelievable. But here's the cool thing. The girl who saw the hand come down, her and her brother were not raised in a Pentecostal church. So the denomination they came from, this doesn't happen. And so... I know this, and so I just kind of leave it alone for a minute, and we go to the Saturday night service of Overflow, and Colin's there now, and he's jumping and worshiping, and, and as we go to pray for people on Saturday night, uh, Overflow is put on by the POC, but they run it as a non-denominational event, and so the way they teach on Saturday night is going after the fullness of God. And if you were there, and if you were raised in Pentecost, the words you would hear, you'd be like, they're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They just say it in a way that's not offensive to other people. And so you begin to pray for people, and all of a sudden, this brother and sister both receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. Now, what you have to understand is the brother is very smart, very intellectual, like he was, I think, 15 or 16, and I didn't like having conversations with him. <laughs> Just, like, I don't know what you're talking about. And we went back to the hotel, and he's in the same room as Colin. So I come in. I'm like, Colin, how you feeling? Good, good. And he's kind of sitting on the bed with this, like, deer-in-the-headlights look. And I just walk over to him quietly. I said, so, how are you doing? And he's just like, I don't know. And I'm like, so how much is this messing with you? And he said, well, before today, I didn't believe in healing. But Colin was in our room, so I, I see it. And I said, okay. So how are you doing with the whole tongues thing? And he just goes, well, after I saw Colin touch his toes, I just thought, I don't know anything, and I'm open to anything. And I said, so how are you dealing with this? And he's like, I feel great. But it was interesting because I would, never, I would never teach you that God puts pain into people's body. But I do believe he uses everything for his glory. So Colin shows up and gets healed, which we all celebrate and think is such a great miracle. But what the miracle was, was the tearing down of walls in a mindset that didn't line up with God's teaching. Which then opens a door... As the walls fall, you realize there's other things on the other side. And so as the walls come down, this brother and sister go, well, if that's real and we didn't think it was real, then what else is out there? And they were open to anything. And by the power of God, their lives have been transformed to today. And the interesting thing is, is that little girl who sat in that room who took the courage to say, I think I felt this hand, seeing this hand come down. She has the gift of prophecy. It just began there. 
And I remember as she was growing up, as we were still there, going to her during Sunday services and just pulling it out of her and saying, what are you feeling right now? What are you sensing? Because you just saw it in her life. And it was because God's power touched somebody's life and it just changes everything. See, up to that point, that guy probably could have talked circles around me theologically on why it shouldn't happen. And I would sit there going, I don't even know what words you're using. But then when he saw it, he just went, well, what I used to think, now what? And there's a power of God that can change people's lives that we can't argue about. So you can't argue when somebody who couldn't move moves. You can't argue when somebody couldn't throw a ball and now can. You can't argue when miracles happen, especially when you see them. And that's just the way God works. I remember um, as culture changes, we have some of us think that the Holy Spirit will actually shock people or scare people. And as we talk about it and as we, as we think about it, we had somebody share this with our staff and they said this to us. The moment you believe the Holy Spirit will scare somebody is the moment you believe you love that person more than the Holy Spirit does. I don't know about you, but it was like somebody didn't slap me. It was like they took a two by four and hit me across the head because none of us would ever go, oh, I think I love somebody more than Jesus does, more than the Holy Spirit does. But when we hold back, when we know God is asking us to do something in love, we actually think, oh, man, I think I love them more. And none of us would say it. None of us would actually think it. But it was just a conviction of the power of God will change people's lives way faster than my words will. So see, what happens, Paul learned this in his ministry because if you look back in Acts 17, um, Paul is walking and he, he's in Athens, and when he's in Athens, he's waiting, for, um, he's waiting for Timothy. He's waiting for Silas to show up. And as he's waiting, he's kind of walking around Athens, and Athens has all of these idols everywhere, and they worship all of these gods. They worship so many gods, he finds a statue that actually says to the unknown God. Just in case they miss one. Literally. Just in case they miss one, there's one there. And so Paul starts sharing about Jesus. And they actually invite him to this place, which is called, I got it broken down here, Aeropagus. Aeropagus is up on the hill. This is where all of their philosophers sit together and they just talk. And so here's the great thing about this place is they're so open to all these different gods that if all of a sudden you present one, they want to hear about it. So they invite him in. Now, if you know anything about Paul, like he is the Pharisee of Pharisees, right? He's got everything known. And so he starts talking about Jesus. He starts talking about God. And it says in Acts 17, verse um, 32, he says this. And when they heard about the resurrection of the dead... Some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers, and Paul believed, and 
of followers of Paul and believed. Among them was that guy, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. If you're looking for a name for somebody, that would be amazing. Um, so many theologians believe that after this event, Paul realized that he couldn't depend on his own smarts. Paul realized that there's more to it because as he shared, some became believers, but some sneered. You have to realize there's going to be people in our lives that we can convince, and then there's going to be people that we can't, but they cannot deny the power of God. And see, he was trying to use his earthly wisdom and thoughts to share and to debate about Jesus Christ. And it really, right at the end of this, the very next chapter is Acts 18, verse 1, and it says, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. So when he left and he walks into Corinth, that's why he says, I came to you defeated. I came to you weak. I came to you with fear. Because he all of a sudden realized, man, I can't do this. See, the interesting thing is, we're never called to do this. We were called to do this with the Holy Spirit. You were never called to do this on your own. So if you're sitting here today and you're like, Chad, or even last through the last three weeks, as we're trying to encourage you to share the gospel, invite people to church, and you're like, I just don't know how to do it. Well, that's good. You weren't supposed to know how. You are supposed to depend on the Holy Spirit. You are supposed to depend on the power of God in our lives so that we could go share the gospel. See, he goes on in Corinthians. I want to read to you. It's not on the screen. Uh, so if you actually have your Bibles, uh, turn to 1 Corinthians 2. Starting at verse 6 of 1 Corinthians 2, Paul continues to write from where we first read, Wisdom from the Spirit, that's the heading in the Bible. It says, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord. Uh, the Lord of glory. However, it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of men except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. And we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, for they are foolish to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man seeks judgment about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. 
In verse 9, it talks about that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived uh, what God has prepared for us who love him. So I ask you this morning, what has God prepared for you? What has God prepared in advance for you? And see, verse 11, it says, For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So if we want to know what God, is at, what God wants us to do, if we are supposed to do what God has asked us to do, we need to have the spirit in us. Because by having the spirit of God in us, the spirit of God knows the thoughts of God. See, Jesus says he does nothing except by what he sees the Father doing, and that is by the Spirit of God living in him. Verse 16, this is encouraging because it says at the very end, but we have the mind of Christ. So when the Holy Spirit is living in you, the mind of Christ is yours. You're able to know what his thoughts are. You're able to do what he asks you to do. If you're saying, Chad, I'm just not sure what God is saying, get quiet in the presence of the Holy Spirit and allow him to tell you. Because if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you have the mind of Christ. I know this seems, might seem far-fetched, but it's the promises of God. If you want to know what God is asking you to do, you quiet yourself. And let the voice of God speak to you. Well, how do I know it's the voice of God? Well, if it's not telling you to go and do something sinful, it's probably the voice of God. What if the voice of God tells me to buy milk for my neighbor? Well, it's probably the voice of God. Would you naturally just go to the store and buy milk for your neighbor? If you would, you're nicer than I am. (laughs) Or you would just think about it, and I wouldn't. Scripture tells us that every good thought we have is from Christ. So if you are driving down the road and you feel that you're supposed to wave at somebody that you don't know, it's probably Jesus. Can it be that simple? Yes. I would expect it to be that simple before it becomes huge. Because if I won't wave at a random person, I probably won't pray for them. So this is how God works. He will start off small. Just as Miles is uh, doing a grass cutting business now and he loves it, but I wouldn't let him start that until I knew he could cut my lawn. And I didn't let him cut my lawn until I knew that he knew how to push a lawnmower without cutting his feet off. And this is what God will do with you. He won't let you cut your feet off. He will walk beside you. He'll help you push the mower up a little hill because you just can't yet. And then he'll do what I did. He'll just stand out on the lawn and drink coffee while you do it. (laughs) And then when you get good enough, he goes, it's too hot out here. I'm going to sit in the air condition while you do it. (laughs) But you want to know what happens as you begin to step out more and more and more? A brother or sister in the faith, like little Emma, goes, can you show me to use the weed whacker thing so I can work with Miles? Absolutely. And so as you step out in faith, 
you'll stretch your brother and sister sitting beside you, and they'll say to God, well, man, if, God, if you can use Chad, you can obviously use me. Can you show how many me I do that weed whacker thing, God? Chad can push the big mower still for a while. But then you'll get bored and you'll want to push the mower. And this is how God stretches you. And this is how while you get stretched, you will stretch others. And it's about the power of God working in us. And he will stretch you and mold you and walk with you and pull you to places you didn't know you could go. See, here's the great thing. As you read through the scriptures, 2 Corinthians 10.10, Paul writes this about himself. He says, for some say, his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person, he is unimpressive and speaks amounts, his speaking amounts to nothing. This is what people talked about Paul. He quotes it. His letters, they're strong, they're powerful. But in person, he's really unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. If you're going to say that, can you just say it in your head about me? I don't really want to write it down. But when I saw this, I'm like, are you serious? Because how many people, like when you think of Paul, you're like, man, he wrote most of the New Testament. Like when he preached, it must have been incredible. Like he would have been a powerful man of God. When I read this, I don't know about you, I get sidetracked. So immediately I'm like, I want to study this verse. So here is what one theologian, they said, it's written in another book in the second century about Paul. And it says that he is a man of small stature. Yes. <laughs> Truthfully, with a bald head. This is where I say no more. Crooked legs. In a good state of body with eyebrows meeting. Yeah, unibrow. That's what he had. And a nose somewhat hooked. You had no idea what you can read in commentaries, do you? So Paul found out quick, I need the Holy Spirit. But can I tell you something that we find out by reading this? Because we know the anointing that Paul walked in. That bald people automatically have an anointing. Amen. 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 Just want you to know our guest speaker who's coming for the encounter service tonight, shaved head as well. Just praise Jesus. I think like, stuff like this is interesting for me. It's a total sidetrack, but it lets you know that there was nothing impressive about him, but God worked through him. And so there's a part of it where we realize it doesn't have to do with you. It doesn't have to do with your ability. It just has to do with your obedience. And just like Paul, our words don't speak as loud as our actions. You will do way more for the kingdom of God by what you do than what you say. Chris Vallotton, he actually said, he's quoted in an article and he says, revival looks like loving well, serving faithfully, giving generously, and honoring our community without an agenda. That's the biggest thing. 
Love on people, give generously, be kind, but do it without an agenda. There's no bait and hook. See, as a church, as a leadership, we're trying to figure out how can we minister to our community in even a better way. And some of you have been here for a little while. You'll remember a couple years ago in November, we took up an offering, and what we did was we said we would split it. Whatever came in, half would go to operate our church in the general offering, and the other half we would stick into a benevolence fund, and we would use it to bless our community. Well, we've blessed our community in tons of different ways. We've helped families. Uh, we've helped our city. We've helped uh, different um, ministries in our city. We've helped Shelter Link. We've helped House of Blessing. Uh, we even helped with the skate park a little bit. We've helped with different outreaches in the city. And here's what I love. Our mayor knows that if there's a need, he calls. And so what we're leading up to in October, uh, October from here on out, I just want you to know, uh, will no longer be called October. It will be called Giftober. Because here's what we're going to ask you to do. Throughout the month of October, on your envelope, on your debit machine thing, right on it, above and beyond what you normally give, give Tober. And all of that money is going to go into this little account that we have, and it's just going to be used for when the city calls or an outreach in our city, a community calls, somebody in the community needs help, that I don't have to come back here and go, hey, let's take up an offering and help. You want to know what's great? Is when somebody in the city or the city calls and says, hey, we need a little help with this, that we can do a check then, and go downtown within an hour and be like, here it is. And they go, how, how does this happen? Oh, we have money set aside already for this. And they just go, are you serious? Yes. And so through all of October, this is what we're going to do. We're going to raise funds and it's going to set aside and we're going to bless our city throughout the whole year. And our city will know that Bethel is here to help. Bethel is here to reach out, to meet a need with no strings attached. Chad, you mean you'll give it and not expect them to attend here? Absolutely. Because when we hand it over, it speaks volumes. Here's what I would love to do in November. I would love to bring some ministries in that are in our community. And give them five minutes, ten minutes in our service to share what they do in our community. And I believe that Bethel, we have been placed here for a time like this. We have been placed here for this reason. And so I encourage you and I ask you, join with us and begin in October to give. To give Tober. That's all you got to write on the envelope. Give Tober. And if anything, if you're not sure, if you don't want a tax receipt, any loose cash, just chuck it in the plate. And this is what it's going to go towards. And we're going to use it to bless Stratford's socks off, and they will know that God loves them. Amen? Amen. You don't sound excited about this. Amen. This is how we do the work of Christ. 1 Corinthians, and here, here's just some verses I want to read to you to encourage you in why we need to use the power of God. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says this, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. 
You might want to write some of these down just for yourself, to remind yourself and encourage yourself. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For the Spirit of God, the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So we have the power and we have the love, and now we have the self-discipline that we can do this. And so I believe that this is what God wants us to do. Not just talk about his love, but show his love. Ephesians 1 uh, verse 17 says this, I keep asking that God, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope of which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance is in, in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. I know that we've read this verse before and I know that you know the verse, but this morning, I hope you believe this verse, that where it says the power is the same as the mighty power, the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. The spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. That is powerful. And we should not walk around defeated. We should not walk around questioning our prayers because the spirit that is in you is the one that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and shifted the world. It lives in you. And here's just a warning for us. And this is why I never, ever want to be a church that doesn't talk about the power of God. Because Paul warns Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.5, he says, that they have a form of godliness, but denying its power have nothing to do with such people. That's not sinners. That's not unbelievers. That is believers who have a form of godliness, but deny the power of God. I don't ever want that to be me. I don't ever want that to be Bethel Church. We believe in all of him, including his power. Mark 16, 15 says, And he said to them, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs, these signs will, doesn't say might, doesn't say possibly, doesn't say by chance. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name will drive out demons, will speak in new tongues, will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. If you believe these signs will accompany you. So this morning, just a couple questions for you. Do you really believe? And do you believe that the same spirit in you is the one that raised Christ from the dead? It gives us power and strength and boldness. Let's pray.
Father, I thank you so much for your presence this morning. I thank you that you've come into this place, Lord, not just to be in our presence, but to change our lives, that you are honored this morning by our worship and we celebrate who you are. Father, I pray that the ones that have raised their hand to recommit their lives and accept you for the first time, that, Lord, they journey with you, they strengthen themselves with you, that, Father, none of us leave this place this morning the way we came in, that, Holy Spirit, we walk out knowing that you are in our lives and that you are the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. So therefore, these signs will follow us. And so give us the boldness as we go. Let us be a light for you and let us share your love wherever we go. In your name we pray, amen, amen. God bless you. Have a great day. We'll see you tonight at 6.30. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast that it's blessed you and encouraged you and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.